Welcome to Behind the Mask with your host, the Diva with Depression. Thank you for joining us today. I have a special guest today, someone who I have met in my podcast, Fear, <laughs> that's always been supportive and helpful and I think is a major asset to the mental health community. So welcome, Terry. Thank you. And when you said podcast, Fear. I thought you said podcast fear, and I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try to compose myself, and that like I'm nervous. <laughs> so the good thing is, is that uh, both of us have similar stories, and you would understand if I veer off, and I understand if you veer off. And okay. of course, on my episode, everything goes. I say the f word all the time. Um, I, I, I believe I, I do everything. So there's no wrong way. So tell us about yourself. I know everything, but tell us about yourself. Oh, oh no. Like what part of it, the podcasting self or the, I was born in a small town. I mean, let's hear, the podcast. let's hear the podcasting okay. self. Um, probably go back the littlest bit to that. My background was news. I was in broadcast news. So I was a reporter and then did voiceover work for whatever, 20 years or something, uh, independently freelance. And then when I had my worst ever depression and lost two family members um, by suicide, I came out of it and wanted to essentially create what I wish I had had. It took me a long time to realize what it was I wish I had had, what would have helped me get out of it sooner. And it would have been somebody else who had been there who could say, oh, that has a name. Oh, that's not just you. Oh, you haven't lost your worth as a human being. Oh, you actually, you know, are still have worth and value. You just have this thing called depression. And if you're lucky, you can treat it with meds and therapy and you'll feel right. better. Right. Um, so that, so I started the podcast, which is giving voice to depression, trying to share other people's stories and interview people just so anybody, whether they were reaching out or not, whether they could, had access to, you know, therapy or groups or peer support, or if they didn't, they were just in their bed like I was, that they'd be able to, you know, go online if they had access and hear stories of people that would be probably shockingly similar to their own. Yeah, we always think that we're alone, you know, even if it's, I always tell my therapist, I have the, the, the brain, this one side of the brain that knows, and the other side that's emotional. And so the emotional side always says we're by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how many of us are struggling with the same thing. And we're not just well, saying it to ourselves, depression saying it to us. I mean, we right. don't mean to personify it, but it literally has a voice and it literally says, you know, uses your own voice, which is just dastardly, you know, yeah. so that it seems like we're saying to ourselves, I'm a burden, I'm worthless, I'm always going to feel this way, I'm never going to be loved, you know, all of those absolute things. And if you say them often enough, 
especially if you're saying them to yourself, we're taught to believe ourselves. Right. Know, we're conditioned to believe ourselves. So when we're saying those things, it's like, yep, yep, yep. And you just, you don't have the energy to challenge it. You don't have any incentive to challenge it because you're so beaten down by it. Right. You're right. Okay. I know that you said that you have depression. I have treatment-resistant depression. Do you have MDD or TRD? I do not, and I'm so glad I don't. Okay. I, I have been very lucky that, you know, I'm one of those people that when I take meds, they really do make a difference. No, no, it doesn't mean I get the right one first, okay. you know, and it doesn't mean I don't go down a hole that's worse, and it doesn't mean I don't put on 30 pounds. It doesn't mean any of those things, but I don't think about dying all the time. Right. Yeah, I, I think that um, one thing that we don't do, not we, but, um, you know, through reading and researching is that there's never, um, you never, dif they never differentiate, you know, how, I, I say regular depression, but you know what I mean, depression, MDD, TRD, bipolar, you know, they sort of lump all those together, and it becomes difficult to recognize who has what and what you have. What age do you think that you started having signs of depression? I bet I was really young, really, really young. You know, if, if I think back to when I like remember wishing I wasn't alive, I it would have been 13, but I don't think I was happy, you know, preteens. Um, it's hard for me because very often my worst, I'm gonna use the word episode, um, episodes of depression correspond to um, really bad things that were happening in my life. And so chicken egg, right? I don't, I don't know if, um, if I responded to them differently because I was depressed mm -hmm. or if the very fact that they happened triggered a depression. Um, I tend to think it's the latter, but you know, some of the things going on at that age they, they take down the healthiest of brains, right? And, um, you know, the, the, the worst one in my early 50s, and we have talked about the hormonal aspect too. So it was a really, really bad set of situations and menopause. Um, and that combination with whatever predisposition or predilection or whatever the hell words start with P that, you know, make me more likely to get depressed, including right. heredity and trauma and all the rest of it. Um, just it was a perfect storm you know it was just you know I, I was just down and out it was really a long time and I just didn't have any sense that it was an illness and that I might someday rebound from it or even just come out enough to function right just kind of over one of the things of you know that I always talk about is my daughters and how um I I, I feel like I pass it along to them but there's a long line in my family on both sides with mental illness, do you have that same situation? Do, do your children live with it? And do you think that it's genetics as far as your family is concerned? I think there's definitely a genetic component. I have never asked my children if I can talk about them in a podcast, so I won't. Um, okay. But I know that upstream, you know, there, there is certainly uh, my father, he had bipolar disorder, undiagnosed and untreated. Um, siblings, you know, some of us are more honest than others. My little sister and I who started our podcast together, um, you know, she certainly is honest about it. If my brothers have it, they've never told me. 
Right. Um, and that's fine. They don't have to tell me. Um, right. But it's also interesting. Um, but they, maybe they think I'd talk about it. Um, and it, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard when you have it in your family and then life is hard. And then, it is. You know, there's just so many things that can get you. And, you know, even if, like, I tried really hard to give my children the childhood I didn't have and, and to have them feel really safe and to have them know that it was okay to talk to a therapist. You know, it was very, right. if our teeth are messed up or need cleaning, you know, we go to a tooth doctor, you know, if we're having trouble with our feet, we go to a foot doctor. And I just called right. a therapist a feeling doctor. And I said, you know, when you have complicated feelings, I have never been a parent before. So, you know, all I can do is my best, but I don't actually know what I'm doing. So, you know, when there were times that you know, I thought something was that they weren't telling me maybe, or that I didn't have the right response. Cause I had no idea. Um, right. Then I would just say, let's just bring in somebody, you know, a little above my pay grade who can um, get us on the right course. And sometimes that was school guidance counselor, cause that's what we could afford. And that's what we had access to as a single mother. But um, that made a difference too. It was just some, another set of eyes on them, another perspective, another, you know, <clears throat> just not me relying on me to do right by them because where would I have learned that exactly um I love that you said that you've never been a parent before mm -hmm. and that's so true um you know I the same way you want to give them what you didn't have but there's no manual so as much as you do it can go off track you know in an instant and uh, that'll that'll set off another depressive episode, <laughs> you know. Right. And what's too much? And right. Supporting and there's enabling and all those slippery lines and yeah, it's a very complicated thing. And it's not like it ends when they're eighteen. Exactly. You know? yeah. I, I say that all the time. You know, I answer the helpline and I tell people there are babies until the last breath. You know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Whether they like it or not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they have to suck it up. <laughs> so one of the things that stood out to me that you just said is that you have brothers and a sister is that three that's right and three brothers. okay oh wow big family Irish Irish Catholic yeah <laughs> I have two brothers and we all grew up in the same environment mm -hmm. we all have the same mom you know and and so pretty much our stories are the same but like you said your siblings some of them won't admit to what's going on with them because that nothing is right i don't know that's the whole point when we i have no idea it'd be nice just because it's our our family medical history right right it's just like hey anybody else have high blood pressure anybody else have high cholesterol because it'd be good for me to know if i'm actually making bad dietary choices right or if there's a genetic component here too do you think exactly that the same with depression oh okay do you think that uh, that affects your conversations or, you know, do they understand even if they don't suffer with it, that you and your sister, do they get it? It. <laughs> I just go with a, a hard no. Okay. You know, okay. There, uh, uh, there are some who have um, made an <clears throat> attempt uh, at least to say, I don't understand it, but now that I listen to your podcast, I understand it better. Um, and I'm sorry that, that you're like that. Um, that's not the right way to put it, but that's what came out. Um, and then there's the rest who say nothing. Absolutely nothing. Other than don't talk about me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's another episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's their right. I, I don't have any need to talk about anybody. You know, I mean, I'm fortunate that like you, you don't just have um, myself to talk about when I talk about depression. I have probably hundreds of people I've interviewed too. So right. I kind of speak of there's this and this, you know, there's the symptoms I have and there's the symptoms I don't have that I'm familiar with. So I don't need to bring anyone specific in who doesn't want to be brought in. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about, what do you think like friendships? You know, I have some friendships and family members who stop talking to me because I don't talk on the phone or because I can't, you know, get to events or whatever. Has that happened to you? I'm a little uh, introverted and Same. isolated. Um, I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. I know you have really close friends that you can talk to. I don't have that. Okay. I even, and I, I very, I'm going to try really hard not to sound judgmental here. It, it's more difficult to understand doing what I do for a living and I'm in my seventh year, you know, you would think that perhaps you would hear, hey, if you do live alone and we don't see you very often, how would we ever know? How would we ever know if you were hurting? How would we ever know if you needed some support? Right. Um, you know, can we have some safe word? You know, if you say I'm not coming and it's because, and be honest with us, it's not, you know, the other night I said I had to work. Well, I probably did. I probably mm -hmm. did work, but that's not why I didn't go. Um, so I am to this day surprised and a bit disappointed, to be honest, that um, more people aren't. Yeah, just, just, you always, I always seem fine. Everybody, right. you know, I'm funny. I'm always seem fine. I always seem fine because you don't see me when I'm not. Exactly. I'm not, you know, it's, I'm curled up in bed. Nobody, you know, nobody knows that. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a hard one. Then again, they're going through things and I don't know what that is and I'm not asking them. So if they have a, you know, a child going through something and that is tearing them apart, I'm unaware of it. Right. So it may be just as disappointing or hurtful or whatever word you want to use to them. So I have to remember that I don't know what fibromyalgia feels like, and I don't know what. MS feels like, and I don't know what Parkinson's feels like. And so I may not be being a proper support for them. Um, and so I try really hard not to be just, oh God, I was going to say disgusted, um, <laughs> you know, that, that they don't try to support me because they may be sitting there thinking, where the hell is Terry? You know, That's so great of you to say that, that, you know, um, you could be part of the issue. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even say that. So that's a brave yeah, thing. I don't think it's why they're not supporting me. I'm just saying I might not be supporting them. Right. They're not supporting me because they don't understand it. And because I was going to say, because they don't care, but that's what it feels like. And I'm hoping <laughs> that they don't watch it if you are. Hey, ask me, ask me. Yeah. Uh, you have, and I'm always amazed at this, you have a, a, a wonderful career background, a reporter, and you said a voiceover specialist. Tell me about that. Well, I was a news reporter and anchor in Milwaukee. Um, you know, one of those 
Terry Bertha, TV6 News. Um, and mostly a crime reporter toward the end. And then when I had my first child, I just had all the stuff that you and I have talked about off camera. Mm -hmm. and just decided that to the best of my ability, I was going to be home and figure out how to work freelance because news wasn't just a 40 hour a week job. And, you know, if something happens at night, you know, you might get called in and that just really did not work. Um, so when my first child was born, which was 33 years ago, I went freelance. And so I did on-camera narration. Um, like there's a lot of businesses around here, American Family and, okay. you know, uh, well, I'm going to lose all my clients here by forgetting their names, but, you know, the breweries, I'm in Milwaukee, okay. Wisconsin. And, uh, I, you know, I would stand there and tell Kohler's new toilet and, you know, do that sort of thing. And then there was all the voiceover work and a lot of commercials and medical narrations. And, you know, I can get out with a running start. I can get out the really long words and, you know, they don't hear that I'm making <laughs> it like this and then editing it together to make the long word. But I did that for decades and then six plus years ago started the podcast. That's so cool to me. A reporter, that's so cool to me. And, and you know what is also fascinating, and, I, and you've probably heard me say this millions of times, I just think that it's so fascinating that so many of us that do public work are introverts. No one would ever know, you know, the mask, but it, I, I always find that funny. And you have three careers, you know, public careers, sort of. Um, as an introvert only sort of right because people say yeah. all the time what do you mean you're shy what do you mean you're insecure what do you mean right. you have low self-esteem you were on tv and I'm like I wasn't in a crowded room it was me and the camera guy you know the, the photojournalist who I knew and it was just us were there some people around watching sometimes yeah but not a crowd so right. it was it was as private as this is you know I was talking to back then him you know they were all male and and now I'm talking to you. So right. it didn't, you know, when I sat in the courtroom or when I sat wherever I was sitting to, to cover the event, the light wasn't on me. It okay. was on the event I was covering. I was just sort of sitting there. Right. So it didn't, uh, it was important to me. And again, we're talking around so much of our history, but I think that I went into that field to have a voice. Okay. And, and I, then I made my podcast giving voice, but you know, if you feel, grow up feeling like you're not heard and like your version of the truth is being dismissed or ignored, to be a reporter was really empowering because I'd be like, oh no, this is how it happened. Right. And I understand it was my perspective and, you know, so much goes into our perspective and, you know, somebody else sitting right next to me witnessing the same car crash would have a different version of events. But to the best of my ability, you know, I would find someone to say, they saw it from this angle and someone who said they saw it from that angle. And I would say what I, where I saw it from, or I don't think I worded that right, but um, I think that was part of my decision to go into news. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tell us about giving voice to depression. What, what is, what is it all about? It is <laughs> a weekly podcast. And I interview someone every week, uh, talking to them about primarily their experience of depression, their symptoms, their 
management tools, for lack of a better term, you know, whether they've tried everything and nothing worked or whether they are really committed to exercising and that works for them, or, you know, it's usually a combination. I'm gonna clear my throat here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, all the things we all know, right? I mean, there are people who just swear by yoga and there are people who just roll their eyes when you suggest it. So, you know, we, I'm always so careful about it, but there is the list and, you know, we've got to kind of try as much as we can to see what works and, and just completely ignore what doesn't. Uh, so that's the weekly podcast. I edit it because of my background, right? So I can't just record and play. I have to overcomplicate it and go through and chop it up and, and do little narrations and, and transitions and stuff just because that's my style. And then on, online, we post content daily, mostly quotes from the interviews I've done. And we have an online community on Facebook. And I know Facebook has really changed in every way, including reputation since we started yeah. in 2017. But we've got almost 12,000 people there um, who have actively, whatever that word, you know, liked or followed. I don't know what word, what verb to use there, but um, there are thousands and thousands more who we see um, who have not followed or liked it. So I don't know how big it actually is, but I consider that a big community. And they're engaged and actively supportive of each other. And they respond to the posts that we do. And you know, I have a son who works in all of this marketing sort of area. And, uh, you know, he said, mom, there are fortune 100 companies who would kill for your engagement. Okay. And so I think it's neat, big neat. That's a funny word. I know, <laughs> 90. Um, I think it is important that there's a place and, and the other woman who monitors the site with me is the most committed human being I've ever met. And it's seven days a week, 365 days a year with a hundred percent response rate. And sometimes yeah. it's within 15 minutes, but it's always, almost always within an hour unless we're sleeping. But if anybody puts up any nonsense and it's 2023 on the internet, <clears throat> it's going to happen. You know, somebody's going to say depression's not real. Um, and we just gently say, you do realize you're in a community of people with it. So perhaps you might want to look for the depression's a lie you know, community and you go exactly. for it. But right here, that's not welcome. So, and very often they'll stay. So I'm like, were you saying that to us or were you saying that to yourself? You know, have you heard that or are you saying that? So right. there's lots of times that after you sort of say, you get one warning here. So if you say anything like that again, I'm just going to block you because that's what we do. And right. we haven't had to a lot, but I'm, I have zero, just no patience for that. And then they'll stay. And they'll stop doing it. And I think, uh-huh, okay, I get it. Because anger and right. depression can be signs of depression. Exactly. So I have to be real careful and say, like, are you actually an asshole? Or right. are you depressed and you're feeling like that and, and you're coming at us? Right. That's awesome. That, that's wonderful um, that you've cultivated this whole community. Um, it's inspiring to people like me who have no community. Um, that's not true. I do have, I do, I do. But you know, when you say 12,000 people, um, that's amazing to me that you're inspiring 12,000 people. And, and I think that that's key, you know, whether it's one person, 12,000 people, you're doing great work. So it's a, it's a safe place that they can go and, and read 
something every day, you know, that's going to be related to a condition they have. Condition isn't the word I ever use for it, but that, but they know they're amongst friends, strangers, total strangers, probably, but people who get it. And it's just not that easy to be in a community of people who get it when you have something that lots of days you don't get. Exactly. So I, I know that you've mentioned this several times throughout us knowing each other. And I think you said it in the beginning, but what was the catalyst for you and your sister creating Giving Voice to Depression? And it doesn't have to, it could be general. You know, I know some topics are hard. Yeah, it was my worst depression. It was just that. And, and you know, there's the sort of altruistic part where, which is true that, you know, I, I wanted to provide what I believe would have helped me. There's also the incredibly selfish part, which is I just could not make peace with losing two years of my life because- right. And here's the self-judgment because I was too stupid to know I was sick. Right. And, you know, that I can say, obviously, it's not just me. It's stigma. If people talked about it, I would have known. Mm -hmm. You know, if I limped for two years, you know, they'd have been lining up to drive me to the hospital. You know, they'd have been telling me to get an x-ray and the difference between a sprain and a break. And, oh, have you this? Yeah. Can you put weight on it? All that. Nobody said anything. You know, mm -hmm. when you're showing up when you can, I just remember, oh, Lord, just, you know, those things you have to go to, you know, they're, they're, and, and sitting at the table, just like, how can not, how can you not all see that I'm just physically here? You know, I, like there was almost a delay, you know, and it was, the words were sort of muddled and you'd be like, huh? You know, when somebody yeah. asked you something like, why isn't somebody saying, Hey, are you okay? Right. Again, if I just <laughs> did that through lunch, someone would have said something. Yes. So I don't know, but nobody did. And uh, so I, I wanted to make some sense of having lost that, that lost time. And if it was like, well, you know, I've always said I'll walk over broken glass. If it's, there's something important on the other side, I hate doing it and just cutting my feet. Like that just pisses me off. So if I was going to go through that experience to get to a point where I was starting a nonprofit, which I've also done, and um and, and making a difference for who, I don't know how many people, but for some, somebody that I would do that. I would rather do that for like a month and, mm -hmm. and then do it 10 years, but that's how it played out. Um, so, so those are sort of the two things. And then I asked my little sister because I was just afraid to do it alone. And I also thought if it was just me talking, it'd be like, yeah, it was okay. Point made, now what? You know, what are you gonna do for the other 20 minutes? So I knew with her, we had enough chemistry and history and banter that whatever topic we were talking about, you know, based on the person's story, that we would be able to kind of keep a dialogue going. Does that answer your question? I think so. Yes. Yes. I think it's great that you have someone that um, is willing to work with you and, and partner with you. Um, that's hard to find, whether it's family or anything. So I think well, very lucky, very blessed. She, she, she quit after five years, which she is more than entitled to do. It was like, I think, I think we're there. We got just started. And wow. then also she is asks the very real question. Like if you have 300 episodes out there, is there an, a worthwhile difference between that and 500? You know, is it worth doing this every week for another, you know, 
and I don't know. I have said yes so far. She said no. And again, I understand both answers. How do you not understand both answers? So, and again, that's my news background. Right. I understand there's two sides to, oh, I always say three sides to every story, right? You know, and we certainly see that with politics and everything else. People right. truly believe what they truly believe might be the exact opposite of what we truly believe or I truly believe, so. That was actually one of my next, next comments or questions I, every day. I told somebody this the other day, every day I'm quitting. You know, every time I have to record an episode, I'm yes. quitting. Every every time I have to write a blog, yes. I'm quitting. So, so yes. is, that, is that, where do you see yourself? I guess maybe, not, we not, not even five years, maybe in two years. So many answers to that because there's a part of me that thinks like it kind of feels a, a wee bit like a machine at this point right. it's sort of like every every Tuesday I post a podcast and you know then I this and then I that but that question we talked about earlier you know what's is that really your your where you can have the most impact right. do I take what I've learned um take my on-camera experience make videos do I you know let's put, put Put, I, I made a compilation of the answers to the questions. Um, what does your depression tell you about you? And then how does it help you to know, tells us all the same shit. So it, you know it, that this bully isn't just picking you because you're Dady or me because I'm Terry, but us because we have depression. Right. And I thought, well, I could do one with, what are your symptoms? What does it feel like to you? I could, what do you, how do you describe it? Because sometimes not having the language is what inhibits us from being able to say, no, no, I'm not sad. I don't feel anything. And someone else is deeply sad. And, you know, someone else is angry as hell and there's no real reason. So it can help to know there are different flavors of, uh, to use a word. Um, I think about conferences, you know, should I now be doing that and trying to have even mental health professionals, you know, right. say, hey, wait, you, you know, you need to hear it from like what's going on in our heads. You know, don't say, do you, are, do you ever have suicidal thoughts? And I say, no, no matter what is actually the reality. And you check that box and we move on. Right. Or I say, let me give you a little bit of detail behind that question. Do you wish you were dead? Do you go to bed at night hoping you don't wake up? Now we're getting, now we're getting somewhere because I might not even know that's considered a suicidal ideation. I might have never heard the term passive suicidal right. ideation. And it might not be concerning because I have zero plans. But is it a good thing that I think about dying and that when there's turbulence on a plane, I think, ooh, this could be it in a, in a good way, not in an I'm scared. Right. You know, there are just so many things that we learn talking to other people that I, I, I wonder if a podcast was the only way for me to share that information. Um, I say that as if I could just get up on his stage and do a speech. <laughs> we've already discovered or, and discussed the uh, introvert thing. So, <laughs> I don't know. And then there's a part of me that says, you know what? This is heavy. And I've been doing it for a long time. And I, I crawled. I mean, I was still on my knees, you know, with my fingertips full of mud from crawling out of that pit when I started it. And right before that, you know, was a, a really hard divorce and a, an, an enormous amounts of betrayal. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I can't really remember the last time 
that it was like, oh, this is nice. I'm, this thing called life is, you know, oh, so, you know, the, oh, the sun feels so nice on my skin. I, I, so I wonder sometimes if for my own self, should I be like, you know what? Uh, I did a good and important thing and I gave it my all. And right. I, think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna make art. You know, I think I'm just gonna, how do I live on that? You know, so, you know, but how do, yeah, there's all those questions, but, you know, maybe I just start, you know, yeah. I, I've, I've made my life this big so I can afford it. You know, I'm not paying for a palace or a nice car or any of those things. So, you know, I, I have an affordable life and I could probably afford it just doing my mosaics and doing art shows again. So, I really don't know what, what, how do you answer that question? I mean, what do we do if we don't do this? A, when we know how important it is and B, when it's kind of in our blood. Um, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, we, and I always share this, that I can't get out of bed a lot of days. So I record in bed or I write in bed. Right. And doing these things doesn't just help others it helps me also because it gives me a purpose to do something that is true you know so what where's the end to that because it, it's sort of like if you say that there's an end to this persona what persona is going to take over yeah so i get it i get it um and it is it is having a well it doesn't have to be an mission or a purpose with a capital p but believing you're doing something of value is a really important protective factor against suicide. And, right. you know, there are a lot of them, but I don't have a lot of the other ones. And, and this is one, you know, right. that the mornings that I think, you know, why bother? Like, just like, who are you kidding? You know, you're just a worthless piece of junk and, and you have no value. And I'm like, oh, I actually know that's not true. I right. actually know that's not true now because of the feedback we get and people who have said breathtaking. They, I mean, there are times that I'm like, you're kidding. You know, I mean, certainly my hope was certainly my hope and my intention that these stories would resonate with people and, and actually provide them hope or, or, you know, I've had people say, do you have this in writing? I'm going to take this and I'm going to print it out and I'm going to bring it into my psychiatrist and I'm going to say this this is what I've been trying to tell you. And I think, oh, what if we could move the needle on your therapy or on your right. treatment or on your will to live, which has also moved with some people. I, there's that other question. How do you stop? Yeah, yes. It does help us. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I'm not worthless. I am not a worthless person. And no, all of my talents have not disappeared. You know, right. I was laying there in bed just going, how did I pull off anchoring? <laughs> such an idiot you know right. and I, the total imposter syndrome I was like wow you know did I actually just expend all of my talents by whatever age I was 50 something um I thought so yeah I might think so again tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to add to that your episode with when you interviewed the doctor uh, I think it was the week before last. Was it a doctor or a therapist? The, oh, the, oh, Dr. Weinstein. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Great episode. What a beautiful person he was. And I and and I actually told my therapist about it. So, you know, we're all dragging your stuff to therapy. Cool. 
because he just was so brave. I mean, you know, to keep, keep, his name was Dr. Michael Weinstein and he's in, I think the Philadelphia area. And he wrote an article and I always mix up the two medical journals because I don't read either of them, but I think it was the journal JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. And um, about, I think it was called like uh, Into the Straitjacket. I mean, he was not being like, yeah. oh, you know, I went from being an MD to a patient and I found that transition difficult. This was like gritty. You know, this guy was still genuinely breaking into tears, not like a TED Talk tear, you know, right. like insert tear here. You know, I mean, he was still really feeling, I mean, but he, he was locked up literally in a straitjacket in a solitary whatever that's called not I always want to say solitary confinement that's prison but um an isolation room or whatever they call them uh in a psychiatric hospital and it was only through that experience that he learned what we think right it was in a group setting that he said wait wait what you know and I was thinking shouldn't you have learned that in medical school but of course a surgeon isn't learning what a psychiatrist is and a psychiatrist might not exactly yeah um yeah I, yeah, that I, was good. yeah, that was a fascinating episode. I, I just wanted to tell you that. But I think all your episodes are fascinating anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I rely, really rely on other people. I couldn't do what you do. There's no way I could keep just me talking interesting because while I am rather um, chatty, uh, I don't think I could stay at all on topic because I'd be like, oh, shiny object. You know, <laughs> when, when I have the, the different guests, it really helps me because it's like, you know a crusty old vet and a young girl who you know whatever anything it's been so long since I was a young girl right. um, just all the different people that I interview come from such different places and have such different experiences that yeah that that's sort of what adds the flavor for me plus I like telling stories you know that is my background so yeah one of the things that that has always, well, you know, I keep saying this, one of the things that fascinates me about you, but your podcasts are 20 minutes long. Now, I have no idea how you do that, but what made you decide, was it always 20 minutes? Or what made you decide to just stick to 20 minutes? You know, sometimes they're 25 and sometimes they're 17, um, but they're usually somewhere around 20. Uh, it was the reduced attention span of people for people exactly. to okay. I know, you know, I've been on podcasts that have gone an hour and a half and two hours. I'm on them. I'm the guest and I can't listen. I don't yeah. even listen to see if I made a mistake or said something that I need to apologize to someone for. <laughs> right. I, I just am like, wow, who would listen to this? So I was trying to make them sort of bite-sized, but not like if I did an interview with someone and then you take off the intro and the, you know, outro or whatever close um and just had this in the middle be like that's when we're going to talk sometimes it can take 10 minutes to kind of get to the good stuff right um, and sometimes somebody goes oh boy you know let's say they're talking about the importance of nutrition and mm -hmm. there is importance to nutrition there is importance to hydration there is importance to exercise i don't think i said that correctly but do i want to hear someone talk about that for 15 minutes i do not so right. that way I can say they have several things that help them. Nutrition, and they can just say, if I don't have a, you know, even when I can't cook a healthy meal, I make damn sure I have protein bars and sliced apples on my nightstand, period. Right. 
then I can say, and exercise. And they say, I try to get outside at least twice a week. Boom. So that's where my audio editing, right? Because that's, again, my background. So I just try to, because news, you had a minute and a half. Right. You know, sometimes 45 seconds. And when they said a minute 30, they did not mean a minute 33. They did not. I mean, you could get like in some real trouble if you got, it's 137. You know, that was not okay. Because somebody mm-hmm. else had to take seven seconds off because they got to start at the right time and end at the same time. So I think that that background really kind of stuck with me. And it's like, I could read, I could summarize War and Peace in 20 minutes. You know, when, when you had a minute and a half to tell whatever happened at a budget meeting that you were at for an hour and a half or mm-hmm. a murder scene, um, minute and a half, you know, that's like nothing. I, I sneezed for a minute and a half, you know, but it's also a really long time if you choose word carefully. I, 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 I appreciate that as being the, the patient, I say patient, um, because you're right. Um, we could tell the story about getting to this place with our meetings and our emails, um, you know. Oh, yeah, um, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And, and I said, if it was anybody else, you know, they wouldn't understand, yeah. but you know. Who, who's two o'clock? Who's three o'clock? <laughs> what do you mean two o'clock? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm that way. When I interview somebody from, oh my Lord, the UK or you know someplace, I'm just like, I don't even know what day it is. Uh, you know, and, and, and I've set things up where when I actually figure it out, I'm like, oh my God, I just scheduled a meeting for two o'clock in the morning. I have to be <laughs> awake and sound okay and have makeup on at two o'clock in the morning, you know, and I'll do it, but I don't love it, you know, and I'm certainly wearing jammy bottoms, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, am, I am right now too, so that's not a two in the morning thing. <laughs> so Terry, what makes you um, push through? What makes you keep going? Is there, is there one thing? Is there two things? such an interesting question, Judy. And I, I don't even know that I have an off switch. I'll tell you the honest answer that comes to mind. Uh, I want to say it. Um, I was, I can use the word trained. I can use the word conditioned. I can use the word programmed. I can use the word groomed that my value was based on my productivity. I was told I was going to get straight A's in school um, and pay for that school. I was told, you know, I had to graduate top 10 in my class in college. And I went to a big one. And I was told that, you know, I should be in a top 30 market. Well, all those things are really hard. Right. You know, but I did them. Um, But I think that's why I think I have low enough self-esteem that if I actually stopped doing something that I know has value, um, that I would lose value. There's your very honest answer. I love that. Why do you- I don't love that you're going through it, but I I love that that your answer. I love that. Quickly, because just because I have to ask, um, you mentioned art and I'm a huge um, fan of art. Well, somebody corrected me, art as therapy. And if I turn this camera around, you'll see Easter wreaths everywhere. You'll see a bin and a cricket machine. What type of art do you do? Um, I'm a high craft. 
Okay. I'm not really artistic. I could, I couldn't, I, I told my children, if somebody ever came in the house and said like, you know, bad things will happen if you can't draw a convincing stick person, I would be like, hey kids, I am so sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry because mommy has no talent. Um, but I do mosaics and that's, you know, breaking up glass and gluing them and then grouting. And I've done full life-size mannequins and I can, I can give you some and um, do set pictures <laughs> and, um, you know, I do a lot of hearts and I've done installations in people's houses and floors and walls and stuff, but there is a direct connection to what we're discussing because for me, there's um, a really good metaphor about the windows I'm doing that look like stained glass. I pick up on the curb. Someone else thought they were garbage. I saw their beauty. Um, the glass I use is all scraps from people who made real art, you know, who made the cabinets like for a, a furniture company or something, mm -hmm. and the little strips that were left and fell into the, the crap bucket. Um, I would buy the crap bucket. And so, or they would give it the crap bucket, whichever. This, I think scrap is actually <laughs> the right word, but in their mind, it was crap. And so then I cleaned them all off and, and I make these beautiful things. And I think of the fact that it's so easy to discard things as broken and not see their strength and beauty. And I also think there's that metaphor for life, you know, that we, things break, you know, things break and it might be vows and it might be hearts and it might be anything, um, anything. And it's kind of our job to right. pick up those pieces and try not to just, you know, really hurt yourself with all that. You know, there's a lot of DNA yeah. in my mosaics. I am always cutting myself. But, um, you know, to put it together, to put it back together in a way. And if anybody ever looked at that plate that you glued back together or that this or that that, you know, are they ever going to say, it's exactly like it was. Oh, it's even better than it was. And there's that Japanese art form where they use gold in the cracks and they believe right. that it makes it more valuable and more beautiful. But the world doesn't work like that. The world doesn't look at us and think, oh, you have depression and you think about dying and, you know, you put on a whole bunch of weight. I think you're more beautiful. The world just doesn't do that. And especially when you're on camera. Imagine trying to be, you know, exactly doing those things. Um, it's like, yeah, that's, it's real. You know, I'm going to totally go off because you said I could, but when I had a, my daughter, so I used to be on camera, you know, when I had this newborn and they needed a mother and a newborn. And I showed up with my newborn and in came a model. And I handed my baby to the model to be the newborn's mother. And I'm yeah. like, this is what a newborn's mother looks like. You know, yeah. I still had my pregnancy pooch. Right. I looked like I had slept in a month because I hadn't, you know, my boobs were probably leaking, you know, it was like that, wait, what? First of all, she's blonde, you know, and we were like jet black hair. Right. And I was just like, huh. So the world really doesn't want to see, you know, that, but I see the beauty in the broken and, and I make something that has integrity, um, literal integrity from the glue and the grout. And I have them all over my house. That's awesome. You must, you have to send me pictures. I now they have life size. Um, I thought it was just, you know, pictures and stuff like that. Life size, send me pictures. He's a mirror <laughs> man. Life size Nike mannequin. Wow. So um, he's quite chiseled. 
and uh, you know, I don't even really want them. I, do I really want like a six foot tall mirrored man in my house? Probably not, but if anybody's listening, they have a lot of money and you want to buy it, let me know. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. Send me some pictures. Tell us where we can find you. You mean my podcast, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to give my address. Yeah. You're oh, a my secret. Name. You're a secret. Tell us where we could um, find this place. <laughs> um, it's wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the website is givingvoicetodepression.com. It should probably be .org, but I just haven't gotten on that yet. Um, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, um, smart speakers. You know, I, I, I don't know where we're not. You know, there's so many players out there, Podbean and uh, Libsyn. And, you know, when I Google giving voice to depression and the things that come up, I'm like, I, I didn't even know that was one, but how could I possibly? It's constantly right. growing and changing. And, and then 2017, when I started, you know, we use SoundCloud to post it. And I think that that might be like saying I use AOL for my you know, right. email. Um, I doubt it's the best choice still. And if anybody in SoundCloud's listening, prove me wrong. Um, but I just, I think we're at most of those places. And if you don't know this place, oh, and the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page, I always post every week. You know, I, well, across social media, I try to post it every Tuesday. Right. Well, I want to thank you. Nobody knows that this is my first interview outside of my babies. No one ever would know. No one ever would know. You're awesome. Oh, thank you so much for, um, thank you for that. And thank you so much for coming on and talking. Thank you for everything that you do, because I'm telling you that you're an asset to the community and to the world. And I'm say right back to you, <laughs> same thing. Thank you for what you do. And I believe that you are gold. Thank you. And I thank you for everything that you've done for me, you know, supporting me, um, thinking of me when there are speaking engagements. I can't tell you how much that means to me, but thank you so much for being on. And guys, go check out Giving Voice to Depression and listen. You'll be fascinated. You will be absolutely fascinated. But thank you again, Terry. Thank you so much. I'll send you some pictures as soon as we stop. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening today. If you don't already do it, go follow me everywhere. Um, DivaWithDepression.com, Instagram, all those fun things. And listen to my episodes, share. I hope that you get at least one nugget from today's interview. I know that I have a few, so I hope that you get at least one that's going to help you lead a more peaceful life. Thank you. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.